Meet Your Maker makes professional-grade grinders, vacuum sealers, sausage stuffers, dehydrators, and just about everything else to turn your garage, deer camp, or kitchen into a meat processing haven. Meat only sells their processing tools direct to consumer, cutting out the retailer markup guaranteeing you the best price. Meat also has the only lifetime warranty in the industry, and Meat ships your tools direct to you for free. Visit MeetYourMaker.com and use code WAYPOINT for an exclusive discount. And get ready to Deer IY this fall. Hi, hunters. Thank you for tuning into the Flushem and Dustin podcast brought to you by Nick and Tyler, the boys from Ringnecks and Retrievers. In this podcast, we will talk about guns, dogs, gear, and our successes and failures in the field through our combined 40 years of experience. We speak with hunters just like you from across the nation about their days in the field and the many memories they built with their friends and family. We are excited to have you listen. Now let's get to Flushing and Dustin. Hunters, welcome back to another episode of the Flushman Dustin podcast. We have a special guest from the North Dakota Game and Fish Department. So obviously mm-hmm. she is from North Dakota. Um, her name is Kayla Bindle. Uh, she is an upland hunter, outdoor enthusiast, and we'll let her introduce herself. She's <laughs> going to be better at that than I am. <clears throat> no problem. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, my name's Kayla, uh, originally hail from Minnesota, um, but I've called Bismarck, North Dakota home for the last, let's see, it's almost going to be five years this summer. Um, and yeah, kind of a Jill of all trades, I guess, um, but increasingly spending more time in the uplands as it's just like really addicting. The dog's getting better. And um, I just love how easy it is to just go grab him and the gun and um, not as much input to some of the other types of hunting we do. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. What what drew you to North Dakota out of Minnesota? So I went to school um, in Crookston, Minnesota, which is kind of on the edge of North Dakota. Um, a lot of people, I went to school for wildlife biology and a lot of people drifted west um, for job opportunities. And I was kind of just, I always called them like sellouts, didn't want to leave the beautiful Minnesota, um, but ended up uh, going to grad school at NDSU in Fargo and then um, got offered a really cool job with Pheasants Forever, um, but had to move to Bismarck and I tried to say it because I was working from home if I could see if I could live in Fargo just because it was closer to Minnesota, but um, they insisted Bismarck and uh, I'm glad they did because it feels like home. Love it. Um, love that it's still close to home, but a lot of great opportunities in North Dakota. Yeah. What? You're hunting paradise up there, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Um, just, I guess I grew up doing a lot of um outdoor adventures on the weekends and I love that everything is so close or within driving proximity of Bismarck that now I can do a lot of stuff on weeknights too and you're not just waiting for the weekend um so yeah and yeah. just less pressure over here too <laughs> how far west is that so from, from like Fargo yeah or from like uh let's just say the eastern border of North Dakota yeah so Fargo sits right on the border so it's like Okay. uh a little over 200 miles or like two and a half hour drive oh nice um, so you are west. way out there mm-hmm. it's kind of so. like right maybe a little bit west but almost in the middle um of nice. the state. that's awesome so you work for the north dakota game and fish department right mm-hmm. uh, what's yep. your what's your role with them 
So my title is R3 coordinator, which stands for Hunter and Angler Recruitment, Retention, and Reactivation. Um, so just uh, kind of keeping track of our hunting and fishing license sales and then figuring out ways to get new people involved, um, trying to find opportunities that are maybe underutilized and kind of market those more than some of our already really competitive ones. Um, and it just kind of involves everyone in the agency from things like, can we stock this new fishery? Do we need to upgrade this boat ramp? Um, do we need to provide more resources for people to find places to hunt, places to fish? Um, kind of just keeping everyone thinking about that um, on the top of their mind. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, that's interesting. So have you seen, uh, so you've worked for North Dakota Game Fish for, you said five years? about uh, or... moved to Bismarck for a job with pheasants forever and worked for them for a little over three years so I've only okay. been on with eating fish for about a year and a half yeah so for the uh upland hunting have you seen uh any increases decreases in in-state and out-of-state licenses you guys track both I'm guessing yeah, so one thing that's a little bit tough is we switched to an entirely online licensing system in 2015, and I think we were the first state to, to make that transition, but that means we can't accurately measure things before 2015, because if anyone's okay. buying like a paper license at Shields, it wasn't getting tracked, um, or any vendor, not just Shields, but you know, yeah. like, uh, uh, not from us, um, but Overall, just kind of, we're actually not in like a desperate mode that many other states are in. Um, prior to the COVID bump of 2020, we were kind of seeing steady increases um, in our licensing sales, like hunting licensing sales across the board. And then yeah. 2020, big bump. Um, and we're down from 2021, which most states are experiencing just people, things returned to normal, they got busy. Yeah. Um and non-residents, we have our 14-day license. Um, that's been increasing in 2000 since, like, it's been increasing, I guess, the non-resident 14-day small game. But our resident small game um, has been decreasing. And I guess there's some tricky things to measure there because we offer a combination license. Um, and that's been increasing a little. But it uh, combination license includes your small game, your angling, and your fur bear. And all of those have been seeing decreases. So that slight increase in a combination isn't making up for all those but yeah nothing too scary um but definitely keeping an eye on it yeah so do you do you guys track demographics per se so like age groups and that type of stuff have you seen younger age group increasing or is it still or is that not the case yeah so um seen a lot of increases in women um but women have a higher turn rate so we're quick to get recruited and then kind of fall off quickly too um okay. so that happens quite a bit in all of our types of hunting and then um a little bit uh this is a, a nationwide trend for sure increases in the average age of the hunter um and we're starting to see that a little bit it's not like statistically significant but um yeah. Certainly increases in those older age groups, but I think small game hunting is one that sees that more um, than some of the other types of hunting. Yeah. But. Nice. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting, very interesting position. So, are you out in the field a lot, or are you mainly in the office? Mainly in the office. Um, occasionally, uh, there's some days where it's uh, I can't believe it's my job, but occasionally <laughs> I go out in the field in terms of um, like getting to go hunting or fishing if we need like the content and the, the video or photo content for it for a specific oh, yeah. like marketing um but a lot of times like the focus is really on getting video so it's not always like just super relaxing um yeah. but most days i'm in the office nice oh that sounds like a lot more fun <laughs> than my office job so <laughs> definitely can't beat that 
but so when you did you uh upland hunt before you moved to North Dakota or is that something you picked up after moving to North Dakota? I'll mostly say it picks up moving here. Um, I guess the very first type of hunting I was introduced to was rough grouse hunting in Minnesota. Oh, nice. um, my dad used to take my brother and I particularly, we probably went a few other times, but on um, Minnesota, like educators break in October, we'd always have a couple days off of school and we would go up North and go rough grouse hunting. But um I don't, I often ask my brother cause I was pretty little. My dad had a German short hair named Hawk, but I don't okay. really like recall any significant thing that he did. I feel yeah. like he was just there running around and like often got lost. And <laughs> I asked my brother a couple of years ago, like, did he ever even point or like do anything? Um, and he said he's on point a few times, but never like point bird flush. And he only got to go a couple times a year. So I yeah. don't point, but um so you can kind of count that was my first exposure, <laughs> but um, didn't really like seriously upland hunts at all until uh, moving here. Yeah. yeah. So when you moved to North Dakota, um, obviously I grown up, you had the German short hair and what has, you're running the poodle pointer now, correct? Yes. Yep. So were you introduced to that breed from someone in North Dakota or what drew you to the poodle pointer? So um, this is like a dumb story. I feel like I should have a more intelligent answer, but um, I was in grad school in Fargo. I've, I wanted a, um, so my parents were divorced. I lived with my mom. So never really had, I asked for a puppy every year for Christmas. I wanted a puppy, wanted a puppy. In my mind, it was always a lab, um, but never got one. I was in grad school, like, okay, I'm going to get a dog, um, but was getting, um, I don't remember if I had gotten offered the pheasants river position or just had applied and was daydreaming, but figuring like, uh, I'm going to spend more time in a lot of good upland hunting territory, um, and surrounded by people that are really passionate about upland hunting. Um, so I was, I think I was reading a pheasants forever article that was talking about versatile dogs, which at the time, like I hadn't even heard of the term versatile dogs. Um, but just started Googling different ones that are versatile because me and my husband waterfall hunted quite a bit. Um, well, he was my boyfriend at the time, but, um, and then just knew, well, if we're going to be upland hunting too. Um, I also was kind of into like running long distances. So I like the idea of a little bit more endurance. Yep. Um, and just like the, I like the like sleek athletic build of pointers, but um, came across poodle pointers, was reading about them send a picture to uh yeah again my boyfriend now husband and he was like what no we're not <laughs> what is this what is a poodle pointer I probably thought it was pronounced puddle pointer at the time um but yeah I guess we moved out here um I was working from home didn't know anybody in Bismarck and he was working in construction and getting home at like 10 and it took me like a week and I was like we're getting a dog now because I can't take it anymore and um we were on some waiting list for some breeders, but I just started kind of digging in further and, and got connected with a family back in Minnesota that had a litter and had one left and was exactly nice. what we wanted, a, a brown male. And um, yeah, just how, kind of clicked. How old is and he? What, what was the litter you had now that I'm fully functioning? Yeah. So um, it was just a, it was just a family. They did end up naming their, um, like naming themselves Lakeview Ridges, but they only had two litters with their female. Um, and their female is from Hay Devils out of South Dakota. And then they bred, at least in my dog's litter, they bred her to a male out of um, Cedar Point in Ontario, which is pretty well known, little pointer. Um, but yeah, he is, let's see, we got him in 2017. He'll be, he's born in June. So he'll be five in June. He's four and a half. Nice. That's awesome. Well, Nick, do you want to 
ask her any specific questions about the poodle pointer since yeah, i don't know so, if you want to bust the news i mean <laughs> wife and i had a long conversation and i've been uh hemming and hawing and we we're gonna get a lab and a lab and we met uh, uh one of my buddies down here that i hunt with he has a poodle pointer and my wife really liked it and i liked him too so we're gonna switch gears and instead of getting a lab this fall we're gonna get a poodle pointer awesome i don't yeah. think you'll regret it when well, i so when people talk guy, to me about them i feel like they're like the lab transition dog they're very lab personality like i guess so um the guy that i hunted with he's had four or five labs his life and i've had three and he's like i'll never switch back so yeah yeah that's crazy i, I couldn't believe you switching either because <laughs> had the lab for so long but they are cool dogs mm-hmm. um what's that you know i'm obviously nick is is hunted over one now and i've never hunted over one what's their upland style and do you take it waterfowl hunting as well yeah so one of my favorite things about him or i guess when people ask is like i definitely picked him because he's versatile and because we're versatile so um i don't know that i would like try to sell him as the world's best um you know we hunt with uh we have a good friend that runs a setter and i just it's like yeah you're this dog is unmatched for like big prairie in september sharp tail hunting like but yeah our dog can't necessarily keep up to a setter's endurance and heat tolerance but in terms of just like all around um super solid pheasant dog uh that's definitely his bread and butter is like cattails pheasants um but I love when we like in that November December time when we're going back and forth between pheasant hunting and then he can just like sit in a layout blind steady and is like I can tell he I could I wish I could ask him which one do you like better um because he's so excited about if you drive around he knows the difference between like rooster goose and he'll look up if there's geese and like find them in the sky and rooster if it's on the road running across so um I just love how versatile they are but yeah we hunt him over water um field hunting because we kind of waterfall hunted more than we upland hunted when we first got him so um He kind of started on a lot of waterfall and then we slowly got slowly started figuring out what we were doing upland hunting so yeah yeah it was uh it was tough for me to make that call because <laughs> i i do love labs and i always will but you know um as my wife put it you know you only live once why can't we try something new at least once if you don't like it then yeah we'll go, we'll go back and i like to be a little daring and you know i i like to fly a different direction usually than most people so i was like mm-hmm. all right if you talk me into it let's try it and i'm gonna i'm gonna have him trained and stuff so it'll be it'll be good yeah yeah well the joke is that my husband gets to pick our next dog and he's definitely a lab guy and every time i ask him he's like we're gonna get another poodle pointer i don't <laughs> think he's gonna go <laughs> lab but nice yeah that's that's good I- I've, I want to see one hunt over one. I think they'd be a fun dog to watch and whatnot, just listening to Nick. And so do, do you, uh, when you're hunting with, what's the, sorry, I don't even know if you said the dog's name. I don't know if I've said it. It's Finley. Finley. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, so when Finley's hunting, does he, are you able to tell, I mean, does he have a certain demeanor when he's close to pheasants? You know, some pointers are like, the way their body reacts. I know Nick was saying the one that he hunted over. Maybe Nick, you can help with this. His tail would like way. Yeah. So he would. Um, the birds were running, so it was a different. Um, it was different. Normally, you get a pointer and they lock up. They're there. 
he would like slow up and creep walk almost mm-hmm. and his tail would slowly be wagging and i'm like i'd be like so what the hell is he doing he's like almost to a stop but he's just like walking really slow <laughs> he's like oh he's like he's on scent he's just he's waiting to find it and then all of a sudden bam and every every damn time he did it, it there's a there's a bird <laughs> or two birds and it was crazy to me because normally like a lab they don't scent and they're like and they're just you know they're just yeah gone. yeah um and he like he slowed up and he said that's the thing that i love about him the most because he's like my labs you know i had to make sure i was in marathon shape through weeds to keep up with them and he's like <laughs> this my dog now and i don't know if that's how your dog is but his would literally slow down once it got on scent and then it would just like walk to bird and i was like that is that's pretty cool actually like you knew when there was a bird because he would just stop running almost and then just bam i don't know if he um i don't know if he quite does that i mean certainly i think hopefully any one that runs a bird dog i can tell when he's getting birdie i mean he's oh, like yeah. yeah quick turns his tail's wagging really fast and i've seen him do like a creep walk he does it a lot on sharp tails i think he is like doesn't know how close to point the sharp tail so i see him do that a lot on sharp tails but um pheasants it's pretty much like a drop like he's going and i know he's birdie and then he just turns right into like a solid point i guess like most pointers um so i don't know that i've i've seen him do the creep walk thing a few times or he does it a lot i as a puppy all the time he'd do it with his toys like (laughs) you could throw his toy and then they like creep Creep walk up to it i've also seen him do it to dragonflies while swimming which is really funny like it's just coasting on a dragonfly it was really interesting to me and then the other thing that i liked about him too is like they got such long hair on their face and uh we're hunting together he got his dog got a bird and he like ah, reminded me like of a surfer dude he like had a bird in his mouth it was like he was smiling his hair's bouncing like yeah Yeah, man (laughs) he was like a fucking rock star man (laughs) it's like he's rocking out out here Uh, Uh, so yeah it'll definitely be a different experience but we're we're excited to try it i had i've had uh had a great experience for he's the only one i've ever hunted over but Mm -hmm. uh, hopefully they're all kind of like that yeah did did your husband then did he have labs before this yeah yep did he say anything like transition wise like a different training style with the poodle point compared to his labs or um he's probably not gonna love that i say this but i i really did do a a bulk of the training um but i think one thing we always will sometimes say it to finley like you should have been a lab um it's just like the that oh, I should have spent more time on retrieving um, at a younger age, but it's it's really good now. But I had to go back and like force fetch him at like a year and a half. Um, and I think some of that is just like so ingrained in labs, like they didn't even really have to spend all that much time on it with labs. Um, but I, it's definitely something you want to like start soon. And um, yeah, I mean, they can, he's a solid retriever now for sure. Nice. But oh, yeah, um, I'm, I'm having him uh, force fetched. Yeah, yep. that helped a ton. Um, here, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. But, so and you... then just training oh. a pointer, I guess, is obviously just different than, yeah, yeah. Did you use a lot of like launchers, or how did you go about no, that? No, it'll, it'll be interesting now that I like when I got him, I had no idea what I was doing. So now that I like am a little bit more versed in the bird dog world, it'll be interesting to have another puppy. But, um, we're fortunate, like. I feel spoiled all the time. Bismarck has these little like green spaces. I don't know, little parks, just secret areas that maybe aren't like advertised that you can walk your dog off leash. But 
Um, and they all like held birds. So his biggest oh, thing wow. I think, was just, uh, I was working from home. I walk, I still almost walk him off leash every day. Um, and he's was like getting on birds a couple times a week. Um, and just kind of honing that in, um, from that standpoint. So I didn't use a ton of, um, yeah, like launchers or anything like that, which I didn't know that much about, but, um, yeah, yeah, I just feel like we hunted him a lot. We got him and he was, so he was born in June. We got him in August and we just like hunted him the first season. Like, well, he'll like, he'll get excited about it. He'll have fun. Um, and we'll kind of put some reins on over the next year after that season. Um, and he had probably natural pointing and all that yeah they point I mean I think most pointers they point from like puppies you can do the whole wing and they'll point um but yeah he was like pointing for sure that by the late season that year he already had like points on birds that we shot which was nice that's I mean still plenty of mistakes but um yeah yeah can't can't blame for a first year dog right yeah yeah that's the way it is growing curve or Mm -hmm. learning curve but do you hunt Have you ever wanted to process your own wild game from start to finish? Meet Your Maker has you covered. Meat makes professional-grade grinders, vacuum sealers, sausage stuffers, dehydrators, and just about everything else to turn your garage, deer camp, or kitchen into a meat processing haven. Meat only sells their processing tools direct to consumer, cutting out the retailer markup, guaranteeing you the best price. Meat also has the only lifetime warranty in the industry. And Meat ships your tools direct to you for free. Visit MeetYourMaker.com and use code WAYPOINT for an exclusive discount. And get ready to deer IY this fall. So obviously, with being with the Game of Fish Department, you probably have a lot of little secret spots that you know about. Do you hunt mainly public land or do you hunt a lot of private ground too? Or how does yeah, I just... public land work? Yeah. Um, I just, I can't remember where I just like posted it, but I was keeping track tally this year of like days hunted. Um, and I think we hunt like, well, I hunted anyways, which not all of this was upland hunting, but, uh, like 62 days and two of those were on private land. So pretty exclusively public land. And they were for like events that I was helping out with kind of. So yeah. Um, pretty exclusively public land. I think we're just super fortunate here. Um, I like to keep my like close to Bismarck spots close to my chest just because they're like, I can go there after work. And, um, but still like, I shouldn't say this, but it's just like, I, there are so many spots close to close, like within 20 minutes I can get to after work that like you could shoot, not me, but someone (laughs) could shoot their three birds at, um, and I I, like, don't often uh, like right during the first two weeks of the season, you'll run into some trucks, but it's like, I don't pull up very often and have to leave. Um, so super fortunate. A lot of, a lot of plots land, which is our private lands access or our walk-in access program. Um, we hunt a lot of WPAs, waterfall production areas, particularly late season. Um, it's tough. Like, I don't know that you can like there, if it has a cattail slew, there'll be a couple birds in there. Um, and then we just slowly learn which ones have more birds than others. But, um, those are probably our primary two for uplands. And then, um, Land's getting increasingly posted, but here in North Dakota, you can hunt um, unposted land without permission. Um, this year, we they introduced electronic posting, so you have to make sure it's not physically posted or electronically posted. Is that um, on an app? Yeah, so it's on a couple different apps, and then we were fortunate to to partner with Onyx, so they uh, oh, nice. added that layer. So that was really slick. Um, so you do have to just double check that, but I think in today's world, most people are on Onyx anyways. Um, yeah. And 
we did a weekend late season up in the northwest part of the state and there was a lot of unposted land so we hunted a lot of that too um so we're pretty fortunate here what's it look like uh about the second weekend of december yeah yeah just out of curiosity (laughs) yeah just asking for a friend (laughs) not like we're not we're not planning anything but maybe we are No, December's a really good time. Um, I think a lot of people have fallen off. Um, obviously, our our deer season, or maybe that's not obvious, but our deer seasons are closed. Um, a lot of our duck seasons are closed. Um, there's still, there's just a lot less people out and about. If you can get some snow on the ground, the birds are concentrated. Um, December's probably the month that we shoot the most pheasants, but also because we probably stopped, we stopped doing all those other things too, but. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Bird population, maybe you said this, I have obviously had some technical difficulties there good good up there uh pheasant wise yeah so we can't we're in a drought still um and we had a pretty rough summer and the bird numbers coming out of the summer like brood counts um weren't looking great um one of the things that we talked about was that a lot of our ditches were mowed um and just a lot of stuff was hayed and mowed and so the way we do those survey counts is we just drive along these predetermined routes and then count broods that are on the roadside. And usually you try to pick like a really dewy morning because they're out on the roadsides trying to dry off. And so one of the things we talked about was maybe just with everything being like hayed and mowed uh, due to drought, uh, they just weren't, they didn't need to do that. They could just go dry off wherever um, because broodside counts like did not look good for most parts of the state. And I thought it was going to be like just a rough year. And and in terms of hunting, like I would say, I think it was as good, if not maybe a little better than the year before. Um, so I don't know if just that, that survey method just didn't like accurately portray or, or we just got lucky. Yeah. And there certainly, I think were maybe like pockets where just, they got timely rains right when the chicks were at a good time or, or whatever it might be. Um, Cause there did seem like there was pockets where there should have been more birds, but all in all, not too shabby if we can not have too crazy of a winter and maybe get out of this drought this summer. Yeah. But Do you have snow up there now? Yeah, um, we had a really nice weekend, so a bunch of it melted, but there's still some around. Yeah, we, we got blasted uh, last was last week. I don't even remember my days anymore. Yeah. Last week, um, we got down here, I think we got about 14 inches of wind. Oh, geez. We got, like, yeah. I think, eight. So that's a shit ton. Trying to think when our last big, I think we, I don't think we got that one. I'm trying to think when our last big snowstorm was a couple weeks ago. Big one on Christmas that stuck around for a while. Did you guys this year, so we went to South Dakota this year and on the public ground, everything besides the waterfall production areas was hayed. All the public land. Is that how it was in North Dakota this year? Yeah. So a lot of, um, I guess another pro tip, if you look on Onyx, like you can see, um, I'm not a pro, I guess I shouldn't have called it a rookie <laughs> tip. Um, you can see the type of plots that it's enrolled in. So like we'll often key in on CRP or um, Habitat, it'll say Hab, but those are some of the ones we'll like go to look at. Um, but a lot of the CRP was hayed because of the drought. We opened CRP haying. Um, so then you roll up and I mean, you can just tell it doesn't look like good bird cover, but certain parts of the state, like we ran into that less in the Northwest. I don't know if they just weren't in as desperate of a mode or there's certainly ones that are still um, habitat plantings where they didn't go in and mow it. Um, So there was still plenty of grass to be had, but maybe kind of had to picky about your spots. Yeah. Yeah. That was super frustrating. The one day we were looking and it's like every freaking plot we pulled up to 
paid. Yeah. It's like, and then, you know, at that point where we were, there wasn't a ton of public ground where we were in South Dakota. So there was more trucks and everybody else was having the same problem. So then you're more condensed to small, you know, less spots to go to. And yeah, that was, you could tell the birds were definitely pressured. We went to one waterfall production area and I think I stepped on one cattail and it was just like a hundred and something yards out, just birds <laughs> flying everywhere. And I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> but it was also super warm when we went. So that didn't, yeah. that didn't help anything. Yeah. Hunters, we would like to take this time to give a shout out to the following sponsors of the Flushman Dustin podcast. Gundog Outdoors has been a huge support for us. And their first aid kit, as well as their water bottle that we carry in the field, is awesome to have. The first aid kit can be used not only for your dogs, but it can also be used on yourself if you do receive a cut. has everything in it that we've needed so far. Uh, I've had injury of Murph getting a stick caught in the top of his eye and was able to use the tweezers to pull that out had bandages for their paws when they've got cut up. Uh, Then when we've got cuts too, we've been able to bandage ourselves up. So great product. Definitely recommend it. And the water bottle is just awesome to have at the beginning of the season and even during the end of the season because your dog needs uh, hydrated. And sometimes during late in the year, those creeks and streams are all frozen up. Uh, So it's always good to carry extra water with you just to give your dog a quick sip and then back to hunting. One thing that we also uh, are pushing for this year is for people to start wearing hearing protection. Uh, It's not uh, a thing you see a lot of individuals wearing, and we started hearing wearing hearing protection this past season uh, using Tetra Hearing custom molds, and it is awesome how much better you can actually hear the hunt. It uh. You has a volume control on it, so you can turn the volume up and down. Three different settings uh, that you can choose from. <clears throat> and it also comes as an option to have it be rechargeable in a hard case for storing. I chose the rechargeable, so I didn't have to carry extra batteries around. And I wanted the hard case, which is where it charges as well, and it makes it better for storing. You can save... Some money at Tetra Hearing using code FLUSHEM2021. That's F-L-U-S-H-E-M-2021, FLUSHEM2021, to save you some cash. We travel with our dogs in Dakota 283 kennels. They fit our dogs very well and are made of high-quality material. Easy to get in and out of the truck with where the handles are located, as well as strapping them down in the trucks for safer traveling. The doors come with locks on them, so you can lock up the kennel if you're going to be away from your truck for a while. And they just, for our dogs, they fit them very well. Very happy with the product. Uh, Great customer service, easy to work with. Check them out, dakota283.com. You can save yourself some cash as well using code RNR10, RNR10. And this year, finally, we pulled the trigger on getting a truck bed system from Total Access. That's Total A-X-X-E-S-S, truck bed systems. 
They are made from the same material that truck vault is made from. And they also have more storage than what the decked truck system offers. The total access system has side flaps, so you have full access to storage in front of your wheel wells, as well as behind your wheel wells. And you also have 2,000 pound payload capacity to be able to sit on top of the truck bed system. And each drawer comes with a 200 pound capacity with the option to upgrade to even heavier capacities. The system has been great for organization and it's also comes in a low profile, which is only 10 inches high and a higher profile. If you're running shorter kennels or smaller kennels, that comes in a 13 inch high system. Both of them are great. Both provide ample storage, full access drawers that slide all the way out. You can also take the drawers out if you need to, to clean them, uh, to do anything else with them. So great product to have. And for any bird hunter or hunter in general, a truck bed system is, we think it's a must. It is so nice to have. You can save yourself some money with the truck bed systems, total access truck bed systems using code ringnecks. So truckbedsystems.com is where you can find these total access truck bed systems. Again, thank you for listening to the Flushman Dustin podcast, and let's get back to it. It was 60 degrees plus out there. Yeah, and that was over Thanksgiving. Yep. So, which seems like it every year it's getting warmer and warmer later in the year. For sure. It's frustrating. But so, obviously, you got to tell us some good stories. Mm. You knew, you like you said, you knew it was coming. You don't. Um, like, they don't have it. to be. They don't have to be with the dog or anything. It can be back in Minnesota or in the North Dakotas. Hmm. I'm just trying to think of like. I'll, I guess I'll start with. Uh, this would be my first pheasant. Um, so no dog in the picture. Um, and it was 2000. I have the picture right here, but 2015 New Year's Eve. Um, so didn't grow up. Um. Yeah, grew up doing just a little bit of rough grouse hunting, and then um, later on in high school, slowly got into bow hunting, but didn't really grow up upland hunting, Um, and the extent of my pheasant hunting was that my grandpa had a farm, Um, so I'm from the Twin Cities of Minnesota, he had a farm near New Prague, Minnesota, Um, and like every once in a while, if we were home or whatever, my brother and I would go uh, down there and just like walk his little, he had two little CRP chunks and then like a swamp behind his house. Um, so just like, yeah, if we happen to be home at the same time from school or something like that, but never had a dog. Um, and I, at that point was like, I'm still not a very good shot, but didn't shoot like shot once a year or something. So don't even bring um, it up, Nick. Are you related to Tyler or what? <laughs> I don't know if you listen to our episodes, but it seems like every single one, they got to talk about my shooting skills. Okay. No, my, oh, it's not good. Um, <laughs> But so it was New Year's Eve. Um, we were both home for school, like on winter break or whatever. Um, went down to my grandpa's farm. Walked this CRP chunk that was, I think it's like seven acres. It's pretty small. And a rooster gets up. We both shoot. Um, 
and then we both miss. Uh, it flies to uh, the other section that he owns a four acre chunk of CRP. And I asked him like, why didn't you shoot again or something like that? He's like, I, I shot twice. So at one point, like one of our shots was at the same time. So three shots at it, didn't scathe it, uh, went to the four acre CRP chunk. So we walk over to the four anchor, like drive up, walk the four acres, get to like where we think it is. Um, it flushes, uh, he shoots. I decide not to, it was like facing the road. I'm still a really conservative shooter, but was definitely even worse then. Um, so he shoots, misses. So four shots unscathed goes back to the eight acres of CRP, which I always like to point at this point, like CRP works because it was surrounded by just plowed fields. So his only yeah. options were these two CRP chunks. And we said, okay, we'll go back one more time. Uh, if he makes it out of this, like he wins. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there was my, or I guess he had asked the farmer, my grandpa wasn't farming at this point to leave up this like row of corn. So there was like maybe four little rows of corn. And we were both pretty sure that he was in these rows of corn. So we walked back we're walking these rows of corn north we get to the end which I now I mean we don't hunt a lot of corn but I've now learned like you get to the end you look I can see through the corn stalks to my brother there's only four rows and I don't see a rooster but somehow one appears <laughs> from the four stalks um and like whatever flushes um again we both shoot and nothing happens. Like, I don't understand. It's like, okay, hey, well, this one, but it did the, which again, this was all new to me, but it like flew super high in the air really oh, yeah. out and it just dropped. Um, so one of us hit it. I don't know who. Um, walk across and we can't find it. We can't find it. We don't have a dog. Um, it's just somewhere in this plowed field. But after like 15 minutes, my brother like holds it up from the distance and we cheer and <laughs> again we don't we didn't pass about very often like super excited grand like he didn't have a ton of wasn't a great place to hunt but um put it in the bag and i, I kind of wanted to like know whether that like i don't know we both shot at a similar time don't and because it didn't drop like right away i don't know if it was mine or not yeah so we go hit the swamp behind my grandpa's house um and there's this one little like patch of willows that you can just see like all the tracks going into it and my brother took the high side and I took the low side, which you're always trying to guess which side they're going to, they're going to flush out of. But, um, birds start flushing before we even get up there. And he's yelling like hen, hen, hen. <laughs> um, and there was like maybe 15 hens in there. And then oh, one wow. rooster flushed out like right in front of me. Um, I don't know, somehow my gun worked. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was a really close, easy shot, but lifted my gun shot, dropped it and just like felt it's again I hadn't wing shooted a lot I feel like I was in a lot of like waterfall situations in college where you're just like there for the extra limit or like maybe I hit that bird but I don't know because there's four people shooting and um so it felt good to like all right I got my first pheasant was super proud excited that my brother got one um we go back up to my grandpa's um to tell him and he's kind of like rough around the edges a little bit um but walk inside to tell him because he always wanted he's like you can hunt but you got to stop in and let's let me know how you did after um and so I walk in I'm at, so at this point it's 2015 I'm 22 years old and I'm like grandpa I shot my first rooster and he's like <laughs> why in the Sam hell did it take you so long <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, he probably heard him? all the shooting yeah you get hooked right after it though yeah <laughs> so and when then, was oh go ahead go ahead you can finish your story. Then I'll ask I was just going to say, he's like, well, your cousin Jeremy, because he lives uh, in the area, was out there with like my uncle Dave uh, yesterday and they shot at a rooster three times. Um, <laughs> and so we like added it all up and we were like, this rooster had nine lives. Yeah, the elusive rooster. Lives. 
Yeah. That's awesome. So, <laughs> so your first pheasant hunting experience was 2015. Mm-hmm. Okay. Basically, when, I think, I mean, I had walked his farm maybe like two other times, but yeah. yeah. So when was your first experience hunting pheasants over a dog? So yeah, it would have been, um, I'm trying to think if there would have been like any PF events or anything prior to getting Finley, but I don't think so. I think it would have been, um, little puppy Finley at a, we had no idea what we were doing at a WMA not far from Bismarck. Um, just walk, I did shoot a pheasant that day. I think it was pheasant opener of the year we got him. Um, and we just walked like a wheat food plot, which that WMA now would have like three trucks parked at it on opening weekend. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why it was open, um, but he didn't do anything. I don't think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so do you remember like the first point with Finley and bird shot over top of him? I do. Um, I had a little uh, Instagram story about it, but I was at a pheasants forever meeting. We were having like a team meeting at stickle stud lodge, which is in Southeast North Dakota by like Fort Ransom. I don't know how familiar I'm, people would be. I'm not familiar with North Dakota. No yeah. Either. Um, and so we were leaving the team. We did do a couple like little hunts just to like break up our meetings, but nothing really productive. It was more to like walk people's dogs. And that's, that was the cool thing about Pheasants Forever. Everyone has dogs. Everything's dog friendly. All your meetings, everyone's bringing dogs and <laughs> hunting their way there, hunting their, their way home. But that's awesome. Um, leaving it, I carpooled with my coworker, uh, Renee, and we just stopped at this plot section. I was trying to remember if it was, yeah, we stopped at this little plot section, plot CRP and just had Finley along and we I remember trying to like keep him out of the section we thought there were going to be birds in so we could walk it into the wind and one did get up wild that she shot but then um he went on point and um yeah I said go for it because it was closer to her and I feel like I'm, I'm getting a lot more confident now that I've had him for a while and have a lot of confidence in him but at that time I was just always like someone else take it I don't want to mess it up <laughs> yeah. she's she's a really good shot so I let her, like I said, go for it. He's right there on point by you. And she flushed it and two roosters got up and she shot them both. Um, and he didn't retrieve them at that point, but, um, yeah. was pretty cool. And then she had a lab at that time, but she now has, uh, she got a German wire hair puppy this year. And I shot her wire hairs first pheasant this year on pheasant opener. So oh, nice. kind of a cool little yeah. Repaid the favor. Deep, I guess. Yeah. What's your favorite thing about, uh, your poodle pointer? What do you think is cool? And what do you, what makes you switch from a lab to that? Oh, I think, like I said, just like their versatility um, and both in terms of like hunting, like I just, yeah, I love how I can tell that he is equally excited about watching geese lock up in a layout blind as he is and like steady in a layout blind and then ability to go like run, like the endurance to go pheasant hunt all day. Um, and just like having that pointing aspect is so cool and so needed for me as a terrible shot. I need the time to go walk up, uh, to his point and know that there's going to be a bird flushing. Um, and then just versatility, like honestly, just around the house, like they're so goofy and funny and not that, I mean, labs are pretty personable, but he comes ice fishing with us. He comes in the boat with us and he kind of just has like, they have a great off switch so he can have the energy to go hunt for an entire weekend and then also just like hang out he we put him in a little sled in our ice house um and it started out unintentionally but um he actually we have this me and my husband have a pretty competitive shed hunting competition every year but finley got more sheds than i did last year so it's also uh brings back sheds which is pretty cool 
Yeah, I think that's what I'm excited about too. Uh, just from, like I said, the the one dog that I've been around, his name is Diggs. Um, yeah, he's super cool, super personal. It seemed like he was over energetic when we were in buildings or like geese was constantly trying to, we had uh, dead birds. He's trying constantly trying to get out the door to get the birds for his dog. There's only two and he just like laid down and he's still going to be eight. And not that he's like really excited dog, but he just constantly wants birds and constantly wants, so it was, it was nice to see his off switch. But then when we went to the field, um, he, he obviously outran uh, the lab. Mm-hmm. He was, he was a little bit more rangy, had a little bit more energy. Um, maybe that's for age, uh, but I think it's just probably the pointer in him being able mm-hmm. to get a little bit more rangy. Yeah. Yeah. He's kind of like all or nothing. Like our friend mentioned, like when we were up in the Northwest, he, yeah, he runs a setter and like, he, he's like, I couldn't tell in the field that your dog was like tired, but then we're back at the hotel and he's just like in bed, passed out, not moving. And his dogs, I mean, they're still going his setter and his, he has a Brittany too, but, um, yeah, they're just kind of like all in hunting really hard or just chilling so that's really nice do you it looks like you run rec specs is that correct as of this year yeah um yeah how was that train like how did that adjustment period to get them on so I kind of feel like um so my husband has glasses and then he has prescription sun super cool Oakley's so a little bit of it was like he did order the reflective lenses but honestly like I I kind of get defensive when people were like just thinking I was doing it to be cool because we hunt a lot of cattails late season and over Thanksgiving weekend, we hunted him four days in a row, I think. Yeah. Cause like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And like, I couldn't even look at his, his eyes were so cut up. I don't know if it's like the shape of their head or something he specifically does in the cattails, but like just red, raw bleeding. Um, we actually didn't hunt him one little last final hunt. Cause I was like, I can't watch his face just get so cut up. Um, so we decided we'd try them out. I didn't, I didn't know if they would work, if they'd stay on, if he'd hate them. Um, and we started with just like the standard clear lenses uh, and we just put them on in the house. And he was like definitely a little weirded out. Same as if you put like booties or something on him, but didn't yeah. seem like free. He wasn't like freaking out or anything. Um, so then we just put him on one hunt and if he's hunting, he doesn't really care. I mean, you can tell when we're back at the truck, he's like messing around with them, but um, while he's hunting, it didn't seem to bother him at all. And it really did save his eyes for the whole rest of the season. So nice. I don't Is think there... we'll put him on when we're hunting like grass type stuff. Um, but any cattails. Yeah. yeah those cattails are freaking disastrous on dogs. And although, yeah. especially like even us walking through them, when you hit the top of them and all that white stuff comes out, <laughs> yeah. oh, you can't see anything. Yeah. yeah. It's freaking annoying. Is there... <laughs> Is there different sizes of those rec specs or do they just come in one and then you got to adjust it? Yeah. So they come in different sizes and we did just follow the measurements on their website. So I think okay. he was a large, I think they come in extra small to extra large, but then they do have a little bit of adjustability too, like within that size. So. Nice. Yeah. I've looked into them, but we don't, in Iowa, we don't really have where we hunt a ton of cattails. And I had one yeah. close call with Murph. He had a stick go right up above his eye just like a, it was yay long, but if yeah. it would have been about two centimeters lower, it would have went right into his eye. So that would have definitely put him out. But do you think he has any issues with the, the, the colored lens and over the clear lens? I don't know. Difference? So yeah, we, uh, the, 
um, like the first couple of days we had him on, it wasn't really that sunny. So I was like, don't let just just let him get used to the the clear lens. But I, he didn't seem to notice a difference uh, when we put those on. And yeah, my husband's like, now we match. Yeah, I just they saw have, the picture. Both have the reflective, yeah, sunglasses. Oh, but so no, it, it didn't seem to. Cool. It didn't seem to matter. I kind of joked that, like, I wonder if he's on point, if the pheasants can see themselves in the reflection or not. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, that, that'd be funny. Uh, no, that's awesome. So what's, uh, what's a big goal for North Dakota game fish over the next year? Um, well, just uh, we're trying, like, again, I think I mentioned in the intro there that um, not seeing, like, crazy decreases. So we're kind of just in a mode compared to some of the other states of just trying to kind of get our, our ducks in a row and figure out some ways to better, like, measure these things so we can get a gauge on them um yeah otherwise we just hired a, a marketing person which is pretty nice kind of unheard of for game well other game and fish agencies have started doing that but it's like it's crazy to mention that to us a, a government agency that we should have a marketing person but just a lot of important messages we need to get out not only from my perspective but like aquatic nuisance species and um, chronic wasting disease or just anytime anything comes up where we need to get the word out quickly um yeah. it'll just have so are you, a marketing person is your is the game and fish department separate so we have like the iowa dnr mm-hmm. is that separate then from does south north dakota have dnr or is that nope so game and fish is essentially our dnr um okay. is your i'm guess, I'm pretty sure i was like this but their dnr also includes like their parks state parks yeah. program yep. yeah so that's yep. how like minnesota is too so it's department of natural resources and it's their parks and their um like game and fish but we just have north Dakota game and fish as one agency and then uh north Dakota parks and rec as a as our state park agency yeah, nice. yeah. it seems like i was a little behind the times because south dakota has the app now for out of state mm-hmm. to get your license and north dakota has it and i don't know if iowa i haven't seen anything on iowa they do have these uh little cards that you can carry that have your i won't show it because it shows my social number but um says like if you get stopped by the dnr you can show them this card and they can okay scan this little code on the back and it says what licenses you have and stuff so you don't have to carry the the big tag and whatnot around unless you have like a deer tag or something like that then you have to obviously have that to put on the deer just your other stuff or your duck stamp but awesome well Kayla, I definitely appreciate coming on. It was yeah. fun talking to you, learning more about North Dakota, and obviously Nick. I apologize, to- I was a hot mess. <laughs> <laughs> My wife's no gone uh, and uh, trying to wrangle two kids, so yeah, no problem. Definitely awesome to learn about the poodle pointer, and um, so everybody, make sure you go check her out on Instagram. She has some pretty cool photos, and her most recent one I think is of her husband in the. <laughs> with the glasses right yeah hey maybe we'll uh, be contacting this year and uh, we can grab a hunt yeah yeah, yeah. let me know if you guys color. are up there for sure yeah it'll we'll be that. awesome yeah. so again thanks for your time thank so, you yeah. all right we'll talk to you later all right thank, thank you, you. Bye. Bye. Bye.